everyone, and welcome once again to the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we talk about the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts of the triumvirate of hosts. I'm Brian, and with me as always, Carrie. Hello. And Richard. Hey. How are you all doing? So, Normally, I have a question to start the uh, podcast, but I come ill-prepared, but Carrie is picking up the slack, so she's going to have a question for Coming us. Coming in clutch. With <laughs> Coming question. in clutch. All uh, right. So, as um as of today's recording, we are really close to being at Christmas time, and um my question to you guys is, what is your favorite holiday movie? And why? Ooh. Do you want to go first, Richard? Or no, you can go first. I'm not a big movie person. I really have to think. Okay, okay, okay. No worries. So um, okay, well, okay, I am even though I do believe that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, <laughs> I am so tired of people talking about it because it's just such a now a big cliche. Like, yes, we understand that some people think this is a Christmas movie and some people don't think this is a Christmas movie. Let's get over it. And, but, but like, but okay. And so I actually, and, and see, the thing is, is that and I still am a diehard fan. And I also, you know, like, and I do like non traditional Christmas movies, you know, like movies that you wouldn't consider Christmas movies. My favorite Christmas movie of the last few years is, um, the um it's the humphrey bogart version the original version of were no angels that came out like in the mid 50s uh it's 1948 ba- 1948 thank you okay so it's about um three it's it, it takes place on devil's island which is a an infamous prison um island on um in for france and um there's also like a village on there as well that kind of supports the uh supports the um like the the prison and it's about these three convicts who get uh who escape uh the jail and they end up on the island and they're trying to get off the island but in the meantime they have to like you know they have to actually get some money as well so they basically um pretend that they're still regular prisoners and are work for hire um you know and they they kind of infiltrate a um uh, a family who are also the owners of a um of a uh like a, a store and the 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 owner of the store is like really like like the worst store owner <laughs> like you know and so they're they're, they're kind of failing um the guy's uh um because our uncle who is like the, the um who's like the owner of the store is coming to town soon and you know there's a lot of like things that are going on so basically their original plan is to basically rob these these people but then they kind of grow affection because it's also taking place during christmas and they kind of have affection for for this family because the family's just lovable because like they're you know like the hapless dad the the daughter is like blindly in love with this person who she should not be in love with and like so they all kind of help the family out and they all come they all basically befriend them and they basically save the day essentially for the family like for you know and like it's kind of like a kind of a christmas miracle essentially so um and yes there's a little bit of murder that happens and there's a little bit of uh of chicaneries (laughs) that you know fun stuff that happens in the movie um overall you know it's it's very good um the um like uh aldo ray 
who always plays like a gangster in movies and Peter Ustinov, uh, who you might know as the voice of uh, many Disney characters, including uh, Prince um, George and the the Robin Hood, the Disney Robin Robin Hood, um, are the other two. John? Yeah, yeah, Prince John. Thank you. Um, yeah, he's Prince John in, in, in Robin Hood. Uh, what did I say? What did I say? I said Prince Prince George. I was just like, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, it was King George, but he's not even in that movie. So yeah, it was uh Prince, it was Prince John. Uh he was Prince John in, in uh the um Robin Hood for Disney. Uh he did a lot of uh of voice acting besides doing some actual like live action action acting um but so yeah it's it's a good movie it has little quips it's fun um humphrey bogart you know is it's considered kind of like a serious actor he does comedy well i mean um so like to have him kind of in a comedy role like this where he's kind of playing a tough guy but yeah he's still funny it's it's pretty good and so i i definitely recommend so i'm gonna say we're no angels nice (laughs) is my short version and you richard um, so, as you know, I am not a huge movie person, um, but what I would say is as far as like holiday stuff, I'm more of a uh, Christmas special type of guy. So I have to shout out, uh, okay. was it uh, Frosty, Rudolph, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, Garfield oh, has a really good Christmas special. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. And, uh, and uh, what's it called? Uh, the Grinch. Nice. That's fantastic. Okay. Now, however, Rich- oh, well, yes, go ahead, Richard. You're younger than me, but I don't think by much. Did you grow up with the Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, A Christmas Carol? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, okay, I have cool. it on DVD. Nah, yeah, nice. Me too. Well, I, I, I think I might even remember when that premiered. Like, I think it's an '89 or 80, '88 or '89 movie, but like, I remember specifically like. The commercial, yeah, and anticipating yeah. watching it, yeah, for sure. I remember how long it seemed when we were little. Because all the but like, yeah, it's, like it's, it's, it's like twenty seven, like forty minutes. minutes. Yeah, oh, it's a little shorter too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, so that's it's, what I was gonna say. So since we, the three of us are all old, you guys could probably relate. So, um, like, I we're not a big movie family at, at all, but uh, we had basic cable growing up. And basic cable now, like, they show good movies. But if you had basic cables, it wasn't until. I want to say the late 90s, early 2000s, that basic cable would ha- like have movies that were, you know, recent and competent. Uh-huh. Like you would just get super old stuff that like, you know, could get packaged cheaply when we were growing up. So anytime a half decent movie got, you know, part of like a, a basic cable package, I got super excited. And I want to say it was either USA or, uh, or I know it was definitely USA. One year when I was a kid, they got the rights to Scrooge, the uh, yes, uh, I remember Bill Murray's uh, yes. Scrooge movie, and like you know, it's one of those things that if they have the rights to a good movie, they're going to show it fifty million times in a yeah. row during the season. So yeah. I grew up on that, and I really love that movie. That is a great movie. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Choice. That's really good. Um, yeah, I I did not know who Carol Kane was the first time I saw that, and then I got kind of like watched Taxi and stuff like that afterwards, and. I realize how amazing of a of a comedian she is. And oh she yeah, goes to Christmas past, mm-hmm. or is it Christmas present? No, she's yeah, she's Christmas present, and she kicks the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, she kicks the crap out of. Yeah, so she's great. great at everything. Taxi yeah. might have the greatest assembly of comedic actors right? ever. Absolutely, because like, like I remember Taxi being on on Nick at Night, and yes. what it was is that 
it it would be on at five in the morning. So every now and again, I'd wake up too early for school and like oh. I'd just turn the TV on and watch old taxi episodes. But nice. it's like it's a murderous it's, row of comedians. It's like not just as not just comedians, but like character actor comedians too. Character, yeah, yeah. like Danny like DeVito, yeah, Dan- um, Andy Kaufman, freaking C- Jed Hirsch, uh, Christopher Lloyd, um, Christopher Lloyd. Thank you, that was on the yeah, <laughs> yeah, Andy Kaufman, Carol Kane. But like, yeah. it's oh, it's yeah, so good, yeah, e- exactly, yeah. It's 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 just like low key, like such a good show. Oh you god, know? waking up at five a.m. for school, although I did it. Yeah, it's just horrible. That makes me really yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. So I have two favorite holiday movies, and one is definitely a Christmas movie, and that is the 1954 version <laughs> of A Christmas Carol, starring Alistair Sim. It is the I think it's pretty iconic as the like British version of A Christmas Carol, and the reason Brian. Even though it's an odd, this is an audio medium. Brian was like holding his head, um, in exasperation because I like the movie. Just, just so you know, before she says it, I like the movie. Yeah, the movie is great. It's a good <laughs> okay. adaptation of, go, the, of go the book. Um, but one year, my father wanted to be really cute and bought us a, D- a DVD copy, himself a DVD copy, and like one for like I think like one of my brothers, and so my dad put it on in our really shitty DVD player that we had in the house. Well, it like got stuck or something. So like it never came out. But he, he and since he can't hear well, the volume's always up super high. So all it was was the loading screen menu and the music like on repeat. Yeah. The, <laughs> like days at a time. The loading screen is the part where he starts starts to see uh um, Jacob Marley's Jacob ghost. Marley's ghost like before like mm. before he's actually visited and it has like these like these strings like a do 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 but like <laughs> even no, no matter where you were in the house every like every like 20 seconds you hear do 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 it's like oh my god please oh, kill me shit. now <laughs> okay was that gonna that was gonna be your uh shining moment when you lost your mind and murdered the family exactly yeah. Ur- urge to kill <laughs> so that and then um brian and i have a christmas tradition which is actually a new year's tradition yes where we watch um after the thin man on uh like tv and it is um william powell and myrna loy mm-hmm. um as the thin man characters and this is the second movie in the series of like six where it's right after the events of like the first movie where they get married and solve a crime but now they're celebrating christmas dinner at um myrna lloyd's characters very fancy very stuffy very well-to-do family and since she married a gumshoe detective they look down on him and he's basically hired to uh find out uh, a, a mystery that's involving the family yeah so there's a really, murder and there's a murder it's yeah. really cute it's just um uh jimmy stewart this james stewart this is his first uh acting role a major role Ra- oh. major role he is so fucking hot in <laughs> and this is like 1936 or so but like he's so good looking everyone's wearing tuxes and ball gowns it's a beautiful movie it's got really racist elements because this is also pre-haze code yeah um um 
movie. You have to watch it for the, t- so, the time. But... Yeah, it's just like it's it's not great in that respect, but it's just it's it... the the repartee and the and the quips between um the husband and wife. It's just it's phenomenal. There's a lot. They're of... so goddamn funny. There's a lot of charisma between them. It's too. just it's the cutest um, little. It, they're just the cutest couple. It's a really fun movie. Um, TMC usually shows it on New Year's Eve weekend. Yep. It's oh, nice. and, and the nice thing about TMC, which I have to give them credit for, they do not edit. Yeah. If there is something that is considered highly offensive now, they do not edit it out. But they, which they'll address it. They address it. Which I think is really important because yeah. I think people need to realize how how embedded racism is in our society mm-hmm. and how nonchalant people were about it and still are. So I think that I mean, I think they could bow to a section like of the demographic that's like, no, we don't want to watch that it's offensive or whatever we don't want reminders that we were yeah but like they don't they always address it they all i forget the gentleman's name that introduces the movies on tmc but he's like really good okay yes and he's like really good he explains everything um and the history behind it and since brian and i are history people like we just yeah if you if you have access to it tmc always to does a killer lineup of movies New Year's Eve weekend. Try and to catch some. Usually New Year's theme. Yeah. Like, or I, holiday I, theme. I just wanted to like the um I, I think I got a little, little confused there because the first thin man takes place at Christmas and that's when they get married. And then the after thin man takes place at New Year's. The first thin man's right before Christmas. Is it? The dinner that they're invited to is a, Christmas dinner. dinner. Okay, it's not I'll, a New Year's dinner. I, I said I stand corrected. So it the crime takes place corrected on your correction to New Year's from, from Christmas to New Year's. Okay, that's why we watch it as a New Year's movie. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I got confused. We're not going to edit that out. I apologize. That's and I will admit, in the carry line one. I will admit when I'm wrong. Thank you. Okay. I <laughs> so I do so, to remain consistent with me not seeing many <laughs> movies. I have not seen any of the movies that you folks have talked about. So, um, not a one. Um, yeah, they're we like old shit though. What are, so so. He so also mentioned Die the... Hard, Carrie. I've never seen that. Oh, wow. oh the... you've never seen Die, Die Hard too? Uh, or Die Hard? No, I've never seen Die Hard. I've seen, yeah. I've Die seen Hard Die Hard with a Vengeance. I know that Die Hard with a Vengeance is a good movie too. And that, that that's the one in um that, the one that takes yeah. place in Harlem, right? Like and with, oh, with, uh, I think uh, I saw Zeus. that in Little the theater Zeus. at like as like a nine year old. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, really? that's awesome. Who took you? Your auntie. Like my sister, I have an older oh. sister, so my older sister was seeing it. I was with her, and she was just like, "We're seeing Die Hard with a Vengeance." That's awesome. Don't tell mom. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, I love that. So, um, just really quick about so the um. The movie I I you know we all just we just spotted off like very old movies as well, um, we're no angels and the uh, the the two Thin Man movies, um, are definitely not having they do not have the pacing problem that movies of those eras have. Oh, that's good. They're they're yeah. they're they're a lot more faster paced than like than other movies from that era. So like if you're a modern movie watcher. You're not gonna feel like this is just dragging on. The I love the Christmas Carol. That one does drag on a little bit. 
that like does have the pacing issue of the 50s um but it is it is a good movie so it is worth the watch um, i remember watching the uh original frankenstein in school after we read frankenstein uh-huh. the book and it was just like oh yo is this camera like i didn't have the terminology at the time but in yeah. retrospect it was like yo is this camera just gonna st- sit here static the whole time we're not gonna we're not gonna cut <laughs> or anything we're just <laughs> it's just One a static cam static shot just, like I, I could feel my eyes bleeding because I was just like, nothing is moving, nothing is happening. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, and as as a big Universal Monster fan, um, I I still have to agree <laughs> that yeah, unfortunately, sometimes the camera work. Um, but you know, you know, which one of those movies is is I think is the best is the uh, creature of the Black Lagoon. Is that the did I say it right? Creature, Creature of the Black Lagoon. Of the Black Lagoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for some reason, I think it's yeah. from 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 the Black Lagoon. The Lagoon. Yeah. Oh, I keep saying yeah. Lagoon. In Richard Lane, one. Yeah, I'm just keeping yeah. now mental tallies. Keeping like, score. Right. Yes. Well, yeah. I think it's a it's a it was like filmed in Florida, so I think I have to know it or else. They take <laughs> me out. I think yeah, I think it was filmed like in Tallahassee in like that area, because um, yeah. because of the clear water, they were able to actually get the the cameras mm. show underwater. But um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's swampland down here. Water's not clear at all. Yeah. Down, down in South Florida. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, yeah, I that one that one definitely is my favorite of, of all those uh, monster movies. But so perfect. That that was a great little conversation. Yeah, thanks, guys. That we have. Yeah, happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Whatever you celebrate. Whatever. We're in the midst of Hanukkah. Christmas is on its way. Yeah. Enjoy and, whatever you celebrate, yeah, Kwanzaa, so, Sabbatalia, whatever you're is, into. Today is literally sol- solstice. Yes, oh, yeah, it is solstice today. Yeah, we are recording on solstice. So yeah, so happy. It's happy the solstice. longest night of the year, and I'm so afraid. Happy Yule. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, make sure the harvest is uh is up and running. You make- should have gotten something from Bad Dragon. Yeah, <laughs> that was a conversation. That was off mic. Recording. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We have adult conversations before the yes. show. You guys would love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know what? If if you guys make us popular enough to have a Patreon, we'll, we'll start recording those and having those as our Patreon. Uh, comics deserve better after dark. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Hours. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our uh, comic book discussions then for the uh, episode. Um, we do have kind of a full episode, and it is kind of late, so let's get going. Um as I'm the one who's been stalling this entire time and I'm saying, let's get going. Okay, so let's get uh, first into our DIY corner. We do have one this week. Um, the one that uh, I put down was on Kickstarter. It's called Darkest Route. Um, and then they give a definition of route because it has to do with the, the story. Um, it's a state of wild confusion or disorderly retreat, or it's a disastrous defeat. And Darkest Route is an original fantasy thriller graphic novel created by American Pavilion at Can by American Pavilion at Cannes Film Festival award-winning writer and actor Antoine Barnes. Um, headlining the spectacular grizzly artwork is acclaimed artist and video game director Kip Henderson. Um, assisting with the majority of this Kickstarter sample pages is orange-based freelance artist Omar Montoya. Um, it's a suspense-driven dark journey through a mystical world beyond the veil of our realm. Uh, beneath its fanciful demonic conflicts, the story explores themes such as loss, courage, and finding our way to the light. So 
if you're wondering who will love Darkest Route, it's uh, fans of Stranger Things, Harry Potter, Constantine, Blade, Howl's Moving Castle, Star Wars, The Witcher, and other fantasy worlds that are filled with unique creatures. So yeah, basically everybody is going to like this. If you like fantasy, <laughs> you're gonna, probably going to like this. The The sample artwork does look pretty amazing. Um, it's uh, It's kind of a cool sketchy kind of style. Um, you know, where it's kind of like it's not very detailed, but it's detailed enough where you, you know, it, it is very compelling. Um, yeah, it, it looks really good. Um, they're not at their uh at their goal yet. So this is definitely something that uh we recommend checking out and, and uh donating to to help get it started. They're as of um our recording on Wednesday, they're at ten thousand five hundred seventy dollars out of seventeen thousand or seventeen thousand five hundred. They have ten days to go. So tomorrow, when this episode comes out, it'll be nine days to go. Uh, hopefully, they'll be closer to their goal by then. But yeah, please check it out because it looks really cool. I'm a few shekels. It looks neat. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So, so yeah, like like we always say, whatever you can afford not to miss. You know, if if you can afford to not miss a few dollars, then please donate a few dollars. Um, all right, so that's it for our DIY corner, and we'll go ahead and go into our spotlights. And um, since I'm doing the the main subject this this uh, episode, um, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, the uh, one I have is uh, Friday Number Six by Ed Brubaker, Marcus Martin, Munsa Vicente. Uh, those last two names might sound very familiar. Because uh, the book that we did last week were drawn by those those two uh, people, Marcus Martin and Monsevich today. And this is also on Panel Syndicate, which is one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to do this episode or do this uh, review for this episode, because uh, we just talked about Panel Syndicate last episode. Uh, how many times can I say episode in one sentence? Let's find out. Um, now, uh, so as we mentioned, like Friday is the story. It's kind of like a take on the um like the old like kid detective stories like the hardy boys and a little um, encyclopedia brown yeah exactly and so but this is basically um so friday fits um she was like the girl friday i think that's why her name is friday of um the local kid detective um named lancelot jones and she was basically the muscle for lancelot jones and also helped him solve mysteries and he's kind of like this uh this like wonderkin like detective uh even though he's a kid even like the uh the sheriff like basically like goes to him to solve cases and and mysteries inside the city like he's a kind of like a, a local celebrity and so this is basically the story begins um, um at issue one uh where friday comes back from co- her first uh semester of college right before she left for college um she had confronted um lancelot and basically asked if if he if he loved her and he didn't really have a full answer they had a kiss it was very awkward and then she left for college so she's kind of coming back to that situation they get thrown into a mystery right away um that the mystery leads to um to some deaths of some characters that i'm not going to get into fully but it leaves friday in a situation that she's currently in at issue six, which is the uh, end of the second volume. Uh, these are extended book comic books 
they're about like 35 to 40 pages each. So three volume, three issues is like one volume. So six is the uh, second into the second volume that, and the second volume actually came out last week um, from image, but you can get all three issues on panel syndicate and you can pay what you want to for each of those issues. So it's up to you what you pay for them. If you want to get them that way, if you want to get them digitally. Um, now this, this um, story has taken a uh, paranormal route that I was not expecting in the last few issues. And this is issues where like all the shit breaks loose, you know, just a good way to end that second volume, you know? So now you're like, kind of like, come on issue number seven, get out, come out as soon as you can, because I want to know what happens. Um, the artwork is beautiful. Um, the, the, the story and the pacing it's Brubaker. It's a mystery. You know, it's good. <laughs> you know, like that. this is his bread and butter. And uh, it's kind of fun reading younger characters written by him because usually you get like the older people like in criminal yeah you did get some of those the flashback stories where the characters were like teenagers but you know he had he doesn't really write teenagers in crime often and this is this is a this is a chance to get that and so it's pretty good it's um i i actually really enjoy it and you really you know you it's nice because you get to decide how much you're going to pay for it um you know, like I, I feel like I'm a little too generous sometimes. Even if I lose a, uh, if I lose my um, my downloaded copy of something, like if I forget to like put it on my cloud, I'll even though I could get it again for free, I end up paying more money for it because I just feel guilty like letting it be free. <laughs> so like I, 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 yeah, I know I'm a sucker. But That's not I, generous. I was gonna say that's a ridiculous. Price. Yeah. Well, I, I don't pay like four or five bucks. I pay like I like. I, I was missing issue three and I was going through the entire thing before I want to talk about it today. So I bought it again for like $2 and I was like, okay. Okay, yeah, you know, so I bought, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I definitely recommend this, uh, this series. Um, you can get physical copies from image comics. Um, you can get the digital on panel syndicate. So um, it's up to you how you read it, but either way, it's pretty good. Definitely recommend <laughs> Cool. I'm looking forward to this. I'm always down for some more Marcos, my team. Yeah, it's cool. it's super good, and uh, yeah, and oh. it, it, this artwork is is basically on par with the the artwork for the Private Eye. It's um it's pretty pretty good, pretty expressive. The coloring is really good. Um, I still don't know exactly what Munso Vicente does. I, I'm assuming they're like the colorist, or maybe they just do like the inking or something. But they they work as a great team. So I'm I was gonna say happy. it never never says precisely what he does in the credits. It just says that he's yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, uh, they say with Munso Vicente, and but you know what? They're frequent collaborator with uh, with with um, Martin. Marcus so Martin, yeah, yeah, it's great. Please. Yeah, keep doing it because <laughs> you guys. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you're doing a good job. <laughs> so thank you. All right. Uh, how about you, Richard? What do you have for your uh, your spotlight? Uh, this week, because of the Christmas season, I decided to read uh, Dark Ride Number One. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's by Joshua <laughs> Williamson, Andre Bresson, Adriano Lucas, and Pratt Brousseau. Mm-hmm. And it is uh, shout out to Joshua Williamson doing a, a big crossover at DC and you know pumping out a uh, creator owned yeah. book at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, the the book opens with. Uh, Gentleman, let's say he's a Walt Disney type and he just got a, or, or the, he's not a Walt Disney type. He's an Imagineer type. And basically he just got fired from like this world's version of uh, Disney World because he wants to make super scary rides and they want to make family friendly rides. 
<laughs> so his name's Stanley, and he's in a an argument with his wife. And uh, <laughs> I never understood this when I became an adult. You know, like again, how you uh, the three of us are older and old media. There'd be a couple fighting, and then the woman would always have a specific uh, reference of what man she should have married. She's like, "I should have yeah. married Bill instead of being with you. I would have been so much better." And I'm like, as an adult that like is in relationships, if I was married and my wife was like had a specific person in mind that she should yeah. have married instead of me, I don't know what I would do, but I think I'd lose my mind. That's so cruel. It is. Yeah. It is a very vindictive way, thing to put. It's such a out. cruel thing to say to somebody. Yeah. And of yeah, course, because horrible. of that, he uh, he uh, bashes her head with a snow Oof. globe and then chokes her to death. Violence is not always is never really the answer. Actually, I was not always. I don't know, Brian. Never... She was very mean with her words, so it's <laughs> yeah. justified that he murdered her brutally. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> Violence is never yeah. the answer. So, but he like, uh, takes the we body. We would not. We would not have a story if that didn't happen, though. So. Right, right. If there was yeah. a violence, yeah. so he takes the body, puts it in the truck, drives out to the desert, digs a hole, throws the body in the hole, but then the body calls to him. He's like, oh, it says Arthur, let's talk. And he's like, honey. Oh, shit. And he's like, no, 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 no. The, the, the voice is like, no, no, she's dead. But you and I, Arthur, should talk. Oh, no. And we should make a deal. So we fast forward. And basically, Arthur's amusement park has come, is a reality. It's a horror-themed music park. There's, there's a, a rides like Murder Mountain, The Zombie Zone, Werewolf Woods. Cool. And uh, we meet a character, a gentleman named Owen. And it's his first day, and he's uh, meeting uh, Katie, who's going to be his uh, trainer. And, you know, he's just getting the ropes. She gets to go behind the scenes. He sees some dudes in, like, uh, the, the like, you know, the costumes, like, you know, how you see Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And Katie's like, oh, yeah, we don't really talk to them. They're kind of weirdos. Whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So Owen is has, he has an older sister, but both his parents are dead. And while he's geeking out, like, learning the ropes, he actually runs into the uh, the owner's son. Sam, and they actually kind of hit it off. But what we find out is that the uh, the amusement park is doing bad financially, and one of the owner's partners is like a childhood friend that, like you know, he that's run to the company, and the, the friend is like, "Yo, we need to make this place more family friendly to make it more profitable." And then Owen's like, "No, that would fuck up with the essence of you know what the park is. Like the whole reason why the park exists is because they wanted your dad, to, you know, did your dad to do family friendly stuff, and you know he went another direction." And this is this causes uh, Sam to like fire the friend who's telling him to go fire family friendly, and then we meet his sister, who is like um, her name is actually Halloween. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but she's like I guess a uh, a um, what do we call these people? An influencer, a media darling type. She has a sex tape out that people are excited about. And her and her brother at odds. And basically the dad brought them by because he wants to talk to him about the business. Mm -hmm. So shift ends. And then Owen is like, uh, the his trainee Katie's like, oh, we all go. There's like one, you know, venue on the property that like stays open late for employees to hang out. You should come with to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. But he lost his ID. So he goes back to hear his work ID. And seemingly the same voice that called to Arthur from his wife's grave calls him into one of the rides. And he goes into the ride and he sees his uh, dead parents. <laughs> Both of them. Oh my gosh. Both of them in the ride. 
Oh, wow. Then the mascot people that Katie told him to stay, stay clear from, they actually force him into the ride, lock him in and send him on his way. And we do not see him again because he is very much uh, torn apart by demons within the ride. Oof. And Sam is meeting Arthur, his father, that, you know, created the park. And basically he's telling his dad, like, hey, the, the business is struggling. We need a new ride. But his dad's like, don't worry, I got something I'm working on. But what he's watching is the demons uh, tearing Owen apart. And that's Oof. the end of the, the uh, first issue. <laughs> oh, my God. Interesting. Very interesting. So very Christmas friendly, like I was saying. Yep. Yes. Oh, 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 I have a shotgun. Do, uh, but yeah, no, no. Super, super neat book. Like, I really enjoyed it. It's really, really cool. Um, also, don't make deals with demons. It's probably a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, sounds yeah horrible. it seems like the uh, it's stacked to the house's favor. When it comes, <laughs> that, when right? Like that <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, So, I, I'm very unfamiliar with Josh Williamson. Uh, I, um, I've read some of his Flash um and since I'm not really a huge Barry Allen fan, I didn't really get much into it. Um, but I've heard you know, like Nailbiter, which is like his big horror book, is really good. And okay. so it's it's kind of nice to hear that he's doing horror again. And so also uh, Brian, no one's a big Barry Allen fan. That's a myth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if if you're a very, if you're a Barry Allen fan, you probably don't know who Wally West is. It's no, no. If you're a Barry Allen fan, you have to be like sixty. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> no, you're, it's you're so weird. So like, they brought Barry Allen back, but like Jeff Johns has to be pushing sixty. Like he has to be yeah. what in his mid to like fifties, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But like, um, yeah, no, like Barry Allen wasn't the Flash for almost thirty years when they brought him back to life, and no one was really asking for it. So yeah, exactly, yeah. And I don't like, know if maybe that uh, the current Flash show has made new Barry Allen fans, but I think the vast majority but, of us are just used to not having Barry around. The thing is, is that that Barry Allen is Wally West in that show. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that portrayal, like Grant Gustin's Barry Allen is the way Wally West was in the Mark Wade run of yeah, of it was the in the Flash. Mark Wade Jeff Johns runs. Yes, yeah. Hundred percent, but like I, I even I, I just even mean in name, yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of Barry Allen fans running around out here. Yeah, if you're, if I, you're... Always, I always found it weird when they brought it back because I was just like, I don't think anyone was asking for this. Exactly, that one was weird because I mean there was more people asking for like how Jordan to come back, and there was more people asking for Oliver Queen to come back, but yeah yeah it, exactly one, there was no groundswell of like it was like oh like they moved on from this character it made sense narratively he died a very venerable death in a very big comic book yeah they, i think they we're done of, here they kind of <laughs> his death by bringing him back and that's the problem i mean he was kind of like like we were talking about just right before we were recording we were talking about the the comic book deaths that uh should should uh were considered never reversible and two of those have been reversed. That was, you know, like uh, Bucky and um, and Jason Todd. But this was definitely uh, Barry Allen was another one that should have never been reversed. And and I like what they've done with Bucky, and I like what they've done with Jason Todd after they've come back. But yeah, I agree, Barry Allen. Yeah, <laughs> he should have stayed dead. <laughs> no offense, Barry Allen. But and if you're a fan of Barry Allen because of the Flash TV show, read the Mark Wade uh, Flash stuff and realize that that's actually uh wally west you can you can (laughs) literally if if you like the um the barry allen flash tv series with greg gustin you could just read flash volume two pretty much all of it the the mesner Loeb stuff is good the mark wade stuff is good you know what's actually surprisingly not that good what 
the Grant Morrison stuff that's in there is not great. That's weird. It's okay. So sometimes um, it just doesn't hit. There, I guess. there is um there's a point in that flash run where I think it's co-written by Grant Morrison and Mark Mark Miller. And oh, it's wow. not great. Those are like, you know, two of the creators of our time, two of my personal favorite writers. And those yeah. books are, I mean, they're not even bad, but they're just unremarkable to compare to the, like they're sandwiched in between the Wade run and the John stuff. And it's yeah. just so unremarkable by comparison. It's funny how that happens. Like really you just might not get the right character and they just might. Yeah. Not, yeah. It just <laughs> doesn't work. Um, but yeah, that just that run of Flash. If you want to see, if you like that character from the show, that's where that character comes from, and yeah. he's all Wally and, West, and, and even, it's just really good comics. And, and even like, um, what's what's her face? Um, Iris in um, in the Flash show. That's Grace. That she that's she's more like um, like Wally West, like love. Uh, is it Grace Park? Yeah. What's her name? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is her uh, name? Am I getting it right? Linda. Linda Park, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Linda. didn't sound right, but yeah. So yeah, she's she's ba- Iris is basically Linda Park as well. So yeah. if you, if you like Iris in the Flash TV show, once again, read that volume. <laughs> so thanks okay. for listening to our DC Comics podcast. Yeah, talking DC Comics you know. on the Independent <laughs> Comic Book Podcast. Hey, the way DC's going, they're going to be independent <laughs> day now. Anyways, sorry. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. But no, Dark, Dark Ride though um, does does sound pretty good. Uh, I have not checked it out, and I will definitely check that out because it it you know like and Dark Rides are creepy. They are like even like the most like I mean like go on to it's a small world <laughs> and try not to be creeped out by all those little kids <laughs> you know like it's it's creepy plus also um I have a family story about dark rides like so my some of my family on my mom's side um worked at Disneyland and my uncle uh he worked in the sound department. And um, he was working overnights and he went to It's a Small World to do some repairs. And he ended up um, misstepping in the middle of the night and breaking his leg. And he, he was stuck there because this is like also the time before like like um, phones and stuff like that. Like, like he had a walkie talkie, but no one was answering. And so like he was stuck in that ride in the dark with all those dolls for like an hour and a half mm. unable to move and he was That's like very that, creepy this was like the creepiest thing i've ever done in my entire life and he's like i'm not afraid of these things like i work with them and i know how they work but he's like just being there in pig almost pitch dark because like he just had his flashlight and and like not able to move and there's all these like humanoid dolls staring at you and <laughs> and this man was an ex-marine this guy's an ex-marine yeah so <laughs> yet like the the disneyland ride was scarier than I, anything he i don't um <laughs> if you're an ex-marine that's super creepy yeah totally <laughs> yeah. is so yeah um but yeah he so so ever since i heard that too i'm like yeah dark rides i i definitely never want to be inside one if it's not working and like you know except the haunted mansion for some reason that seems like the least scary of all the dark rides at disneyland which is funny because that's supposed to be the scary one but yeah it's uh that's the one that's kind of fun when it when it breaks down and you hear the the overhead say like your doom buggy is uh no longer working richard have you been to disneyland or disney world since you're a florida i've been to disney world i've never been to disneyland <gasps> okay it's smaller but we, you know you we grew up with it we're gonna <laughs> figure we're gonna figure this out 
the right way. Yes. Next time you're out here. And I'm going to drag your Ooh. ass to like. No, we were going to go um, the ways. last day I was there when I was in L.A. a couple weeks ago. But then we just we were like, eh, it's it's too with the traffic situation, like getting to and from Anaheim from where we were. Like we'd be sacrificing too much of the day driving oh, yeah. or yeah. sitting in traffic. So that's why we audible. You were literally only somewhere. like 20 miles away as the crow flies, but you yeah. would have been stuck in like an like an hour and a half traffic. No, um, so the last time I was in LA prior to that, I literally stayed at a hotel that was a three-minute walk from Disneyland. And then uh basically two of my friends went to Disneyland. We were gonna go as well, but my other friend lost his wallet and he was so peeved because he needed ID to get into the park. And then yeah. so I just hung out with him while my other friends went to Disneyland. So I'm not against going, it just hasn't worked out. <laughs> well, well, we'll figure it out. This yeah. next coming year, that'll be our new year's resolution. Well, uh, right. figure, we'll figure it out. Definitely. Yeah, and then also when we go, we, if we ever eventually get out in Florida, we'll have to do the opposite as well. Then my ass better be taking a train or yeah. a, an extended car ride. <laughs> but yeah, all right. So excellent. Sounds really good. Definitely want to check it out. Yeah. So let's go ahead then and move to our main subject, uh, which was my choice this week. I'm the one to blame. Um, that would be uh, the main subject is uh, Squire by Sarah Alfaji and Nadia Shamas. I do apologize if I mispronounced the name there. Um, tried my best, but if I am wrong, please let me know so I can fix that. And uh, Cool Tree Books is the uh, publisher of this book. It's a uh, Harper Collins. Um, uh, my, oh my God, what's that word? Wow. Publisher. It's a. It's a. Um, well, it's not a publisher. It's a it's an arm of Hartford Collins. Uh, uh, Let me say that again. It's it's Culture Books, which is a subsidiary of Harper Collins. There you go. There we go. You can edit out that other part. Never, please. <laughs> okay. All right. Stakes um, live on forever. My, yeah, is that now Carrie too? Richard too, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Let me uh, get up my notes here. Um, so Squire, uh, it is a uh, all ages fiction book. Um, it is, uh, it, it book has kind of a, um, a Middle Eastern feel to it, even though it kind of, it doesn't take place in an actual you know, existing country. Uh, but the names and like the, the, um, the, the character designs, and everything definitely gives kind of a, a Middle Eastern feel to it, like a, a more like an old classic ancient Middle Eastern fantasy feel to it. Um, but so this is basically the story of our main character, Aiza. Um, she is a person of the Ornu race. Um, this is the Ornu race is basically is part of an empire that is called the Al-Bahari and, um, the Ornu are kind of the newest conquered people of this, um, of this country. And they are also like basically the most aggressive and they're the most kind of like stereotyped against by the other people like, like everyone else now that are, that is al bahari do not trust the ornu people they don't they you know they all think that they're you know like hoarding their food and letting everyone else starve and all these other kind of like you know not correct beliefs and stereotypes so um i so aiza in the, well, in this uh, in this society, 
if you're part of a conquered nation, you are not a citizen. You 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 basically not allowed to own land. You're not allowed to own property. You have to, um, you know, you're basically kind of like, you know, almost like you have a green card essentially, like you know, in this in this world. Um, you know, you're not you're not you're not a full citizen, but you have to abide the rules of the of the nation. So, um, her family sells fruit at the market. Um, you can tell what, what an Ornu who an Ornu is. They always tattoo their uh, their right arm, their forearm. Um, to show other or new like who they you know basically that they're that they're friendly and that that's who they are and so Aiza has those tattoos on her arm that's how people recognize that she's an or new um and she's not well well liked when she goes to the market because of, of her um of her race and um so anyways so she ends up um so um she sees a flyer to become a squire um and to join to basically enlist in the military and if you enlist in the military you and and you become a squire you um have the ability to apply for citizenship and if you become a knight you automatically you and your family become citizens so she's like i'm gonna do this shit for my family and um and so not in those words because this is an all ages book <laughs> but sometimes she um so she, so, um, so much to the chagrin of her parents, she asks, you know, she says she wants to do this. Um, they basically say no at first and they kind of coalesce and then say, you know, like, this is something you want to do. We can't stop you. You're, you're growing up, you know, but if you're going to go do it, people have these problems and issues with, you know, the or new people. So we're going to, um, so you should you know basically hide your tattoos so her mom takes some bandages and wraps up her arm so no one can see her her tattoos so she ends up enlisting um she kind of she hides she rubs out the race on her uh enlistment card so people can't see that she's an ornu Mm -hmm. and so she and whenever someone asks her she basically says that she's she's albahari but she's just poor and that's why she's doing this and so um so she kind of keeps that as a secret but you know i mean this, this is definitely a big theme of this story is to be true to yourself and kind of be true and be proud of who you are and so um that definitely comes up later as something that uh, definitely affects her in a negative way um her hiding who she is and so um she she basically meets friends um husni who's also from another colony um and um, his father is a trader that uh, T-R-A-D-E-R, not T-R-A-I-T-O-R. <laughs> um, and so he's like rich and he kind of has like clout within, even though they're not citizens, they have clout within the Al-Bahari people. Um, and, um, and you know, he has silk pants <laughs> and he's all afraid yes. of getting them dirty on the right up there. Um, he, um, but he becomes like a really good friend of, of Aiza. Um, they meet um, Sahar, who she's this um, kind of like a big, big, uh, uh, tall, burly um, redhead girl who um, who got there first and won't let them sleep on on the beds and because one of the beds is hers. And um, they kind of start antagonistic, but they've quickly become friends. And so those three become kind of like the clan, like they're they're inseparable. Like you can kind of tell. Um, now, one of the rules, um, there's a fourth. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a fourth uh, student that you meet. 
and that is uh, Basem. And Basem is from the same place as uh, Husni. Um, but his father is a senator, was also once a knight. He's basically been trained all his life to do this. And he's also like under severe pressure to become a knight. And um, so, um, so he's not you know, he, he becomes a little bit more friendly towards the end of the book, but at the start, he's definitely antagonistic because he is, he's all business. And he's also pissed that Husni is doing the, uh, is, is there to become a squire because he feels like Husni's doing it on a whim and he's been training all his life to do it. Brian, you should have said it properly. He's the bootlickiest bootlicker who's ever licked the boot. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. he is, he has bought into every piece I, of I, propaganda and yeah. the thing is that he grew up with it but like he is he is sold on everything that yeah. the military is selling him and, and so and he's very similar to uh who you meet general hende um and she's kind of the same you find out later that she's kind of has that same belief and ideals that Basem has instilled in him that basically everything is for the empire and you you live you breathe you die the empire and like you don't have your own life and like whatever you do is for the the betterment of like your country and not yourself and um and and so um Hasem or sorry um Basem ends up becoming Hende's spy um also because he's you know like like richard said definitely he's the bootlicker so he's obviously into spying on his friends and his colleagues <laughs> and uh and hende needs somebody um kind of in the in the in the ranks to keep an eye on everybody um so i'm not gonna get into much spoilers but um you know obviously since the story is about identity and kind of realizing who you are um and uh, being proud of who you are, you know, it, it does come out later that um, that Aiza is Ornu and much to the, you know, the surprise and the chagrin of uh, of her friends at first. But, you know, it, you know, it worked, they work through it and everything kind of comes out good at the end. But I'm not going to get into spoilers. It's a good all ages book. Um, the whole time you described it, all I could hear is that uh, the song from Moana. <laughs> about uh yes who you are <laughs> yes because i feel like they they have the same a very similar theme they, oh, do. Yeah. they do they do very much so that's that's actually oh, god that is very such a true. good song yes Damn. it is uh, oh man one time great I was movie playing, too yeah that's a wonderful movie one time i was playing one of the first times i was ever playing overwatch um i i forgot to turn off the uh the microphone so like over the speaker for like the other people that were playing and some like i'm sure they were like at the oldest like 10 year old was playing and while playing somebody else in at, near their microphone was practicing that song on the <laughs> piano oh that's fun. and it was like loud as hell and i didn't know how to turn off the microphone because i just started playing this type of game and i was just like how do i get rid of this, this is so annoying <laughs> oh. so then so then, I, and then after that i figured out the options and turned it off and never listened to anybody else ever again which i i guess it might be to my detriment because that's one of those games where you're supposed to work together with people and so i just kind of had to guess what they wanted working to together do. is overrated yeah it yes, is it is <laughs> okay but uh but anyways yeah um so We'll yeah, really and... like Squire. I was gonna ask, is there anything more to it? Because it does kind of end like there could be like a next this, uh volume. This book um came out this year. So I'm, okay. I, I and but but if um I don't know, did you read the back matter 
Um, I did not read the back matter, but it's like it did stand as a standalone. But like also, I was just like, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to this world and seeing more about what's about to go down. It's really cool. I feel so. Sarah Alpha G, the uh, the artist, um, she had. It feels like she has a lot of passion for this story, and there's a lot. Yeah, I I, the the one thing I did read for the back matter is that like she's like this was something I worked on like as part of a like a class like uh, not her thesis but like as a class project. Yeah, like, like you know, she was able to bring into fruition as a profession. Cool. Yep. And 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 like she's and she's been working with uh, with these characters for a long time. Um, what I thought was really interesting was that they originally started out as orcs. Um, and like you know, they had more of a fantasy, high fantasy feel to it. Mm-hmm. And like orcs, you know, are are considered usually like the villains of the stories. And so I could see that the same. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 uh, Sarah, she's. She's British and she's also half Jordanian, and she's spending her summers in Jordan, and so she's she related very... to Michael Jordan. Yes, she is. <laughs> so she has very much ties to that region and that country, and she also knows how it feels to be somebody like an other, essentially that's not looked down upon because of her of her culture and her, you know, and and like her race is and her she, background. Is she in England? Is she based in England? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, the, one of the most like fucking racist. Countries towards like Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern and, like, people and, like, and Southern Asian people. Yeah. yeah. So, um, like if you if you ever want a good example of that, there's that 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 movie um about uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, um, Blinded by the Light. But yeah, um, so so yeah, you definitely get the vibe that this is kind of a story about you know kind of you know maybe like her experiences or or her familial experiences you know like as well because you know people are shitty and they'll judge you by you know what they think your people are instead mm-hmm. of who you are and everyone loves Aiza until they find out she's an Ornu and yeah. and like and that's very very clear and then the second they find out she's an Ornu is like oh was she conspiring against us was she you know the reason why she was hiding who she was is because she was a spy and she was like, you know, she was going to uh, bring us all down and like try to get us killed. And even though like they knew her <laughs> before that, and they knew that she wasn't like that. So, so yeah. Um, Real question, because yes. I'm not, I'm not around a lot of military people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this happens in the real world. So I'm not casting aspersions on the story, but like, again, when I was 17, I wasn't the most educated person in the world, but, like, I kind of understood that, like, when the military recruiters come, they're trying to exploit you. And then when they find out the information of exploitation in this game, they're very shocked. But I feel like that happens to people in real life. And I'm just like, are we, am I, like, are we not seeing the same propaganda? Or are we just, or people just internalizing it in ways that I do not? Because I was just like, when, they, when she was just like, yeah, like, when, when you find out that, like, this isn't what it's all cracked up to be, I was just like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, the the military structure, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think can be like that. Because um, you you have to get people who buy completely into the system. You know, Right, like, they need to be or, true believers for it to work. Yeah, because they, they have to die for their country or be willing to die for their country. Or... Or you hit, like, let's say in the States, you hit local high schools in lower socioeconomic areas, and you're like, hey, your family doesn't have money for college. We pay not only for your undergrad, but for your grad with this 
special VA loan yeah, or yeah, bill well, yeah. when you after you serve this many years oh you, your family you you don't you've never been able to dream of owning your own home because you don't think you'll make enough money serve x amount of years and we'll give you the GI bill mm-hmm. and then you too yeah. can own your own home i mean i i really do think that um like recruitment does prey and i'll use that word because i i feel like yeah. this I think it does prey on people who don't have very many options Mm -hmm. or feel that they do not have very many options. (laughs) Whereas I think people that enlist in like officer's school because they've already done the four-year requirement at a university, I think they've bought into the propaganda. And I do think that there are some people who enlist at, at the lowest level because they're fully indoctrinated Mm -hmm. but i think a majority of the recruitments at the lowest level are people that are just like desperate for a way to make something of themselves because they don't see another option they're they're a lot like aiza yeah story yeah where where basically they're like the only way you'll get citizenship and like be able to own land and own you know is is by joining the military yeah but yeah when she sees the horrors of war i do feel like you know the older people are like yeah what did you think we were doing here and i'm like yeah, yeah what did you think we were going to be doing yeah. here I want, yeah that and that's a good time to bring up i think my favorite character in this book which is uh daruk mm-hmm. um and um where he's the uh you know he's a janitor at the time and he ends up training aiza um and he ends up training aiza to um to basically be able to to stay at school because she fails the first test and she's about to fail the second test, but um, and she's she becomes the guard of the uh, the storage, like the barrack area, and um, and instead starts training with Jaruk, who's very reluctant to do it. Um, he only has one arm. You find out later what happened to that arm, and it's not very nice. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, and um, and you you also um, you know, like basically kind of form a bond. But then when things go well for her, he's not happy because he's like, I just created another, you know, weapon. I just, you know, like, congratulations, the cycle continues, you know, like, and like, you're like, yay, like, um, now you're a murderer, you know, even though he was helping her get through school. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. No pun Sir, you work at my murder school. Yeah, you instructed exactly. me. Yeah. But um, and you find out like in the background, I think we're definitely in spoilers now. So, um, you know, you find out in background that he was once a knight and that um, uh, he eventually ended up having to um, go basically kill the elders of the, the town that he grew up in because they were considered dissident. And it, that's when he realized that like this machine is is not the, you know, definitely not necessarily the correct thing to do and he refuses to uh follow orders which causes him basically to get court-martialed his uh squire is hende you find out and she uh is the one who takes off his arm um basically saying that if he's not going to use it for the military that he doesn't deserve to have it at all and so that's why he's missing an arm and then she ends up testifying against him which gets him uh effectively court-martialed and kicked out and and the only thing that he can do is basically become the janitor 
um, because uh, if he, he can't get like a real job anymore because he's missing an arm and he's also disgraced. So, um, so yeah, um, he definitely has a good reason why not to like the military. Um, but, but yeah, it's, you know, but I understand that too. Cause like he, he, he obviously cares for Aiza and he wants to do best by her, but he also realizes what is the best is also maybe the worst. And that's later what she finds out when she also kind of gets into a situation like, like Dora did where where she might have to go against her own people um because the ornu are like i said not well liked by much mm-hmm. me so one so of my uh, favorite things in the yes. book is that uh and people should do this more when they build their fantasy worlds so one of the fantasies that they fulfill in this world it's a gender egalitarian like there's women mm-hmm. in places of power women in charge but it's not made a thing it's just a society where it's just it's like yeah yeah, you know, exactly. like like I thought when when the book opened up, and I thought like Isis family didn't want her to go be in the military to become a squire. I thought it was going to be because it, she's a girl, and it's like no, no, no. There's plenty of women there. <laughs> it's just yeah. it was more that they didn't want her to be part of the military structure because you know, you know everything that comes with it. But exactly, it, it was very interesting just reading a book where it's like. No, no, the genders are, you know, there's there's inequality in the book, but none of it's in long gender lines. It's just kind of like, yeah, no, the genders yeah. are pretty equal. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you're little? Cool. These are the fighting things that you get to do <laughs> that, you know, with leverage that makes you good against, you know, bigger opponents. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, I, I, I just like the way it was handled. I mean, I don't know if it's just, you know, a perspective of having, you know, two female creators. But it's just like, I feel like in all the things that are fantasy, you don't get that perspective a lot. Even if there is women protagonists, it's always in the narrative that it's like, what, 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 what? A, woman? a girl. Like, you know, <laughs> and this is just like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. this woman's the general. Oh, we got two, two female recruits. It's not, it's not a thing. One, it's just not a thing. And that was and, like very refreshing. And then, and, and then Sahara is, is a freaking like uh bad Yeah, she's a tank. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, you're busting everybody's ass. Yeah, like, <laughs> she literally takes um Aiza and like and throws her off the bed. Yeah. And then Beckley says, like, if you do, if you get keep on talking, I will literally throw you out. <laughs> yeah, like throws <laughs> like, her over her shoulder. Yeah, you know that. But yeah, no, I, I, I appreciated that because I just feel like. Again, yeah. these worlds are fake. You could do with them whatever you want. Exactly. But like that, uh, uh, that patriarchalness and, always still shown through. It's just like, oh, a woman that wants to fight, and here's just like, no, no, no. There's other reasons for her to like other story conflicts about her fighting that have nothing to do with her being a wo- you know, a yeah, woman. Exactly. I, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Carrie. I I've really like the book. I thought the artwork was amazing, and I loved the coloring. I think what I liked the most, and even though we don't see them too much in the book, um, I use as parents. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, if you're the child, if you're the first gen child in like a new country, mm-hmm. it just that the the way the parents are, it speaks volumes to that kind Keep of Keep your head low. Yep. Just, just kind of stay work with within your, the system. Stay with don't, your don't, own. Don't. Stay with your own culture and don't uh don't 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 try to go outside like don't try to make too much out of yourself like come on man we're just out here trying to survive and it i thought the way her parents acted with her was so realistic and so Mm -hmm. so touching yeah 
And again, I think it speaks to the creator's own background because I'm sure they've gone through something very similar as well, especially, you know, being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're artists, they're yeah. writers in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, writer she was talking about when she was at art school, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that was probably a fight at home with your immigrant yeah. parents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and, and like, and like, it was kind of cool because like Nadia Shamas is, is, um, is, is American. Um, but also, you know, of Middle Eastern descent, and um, and then, like I said, like Sarah Alfa, she, she, I believe she's British, and she's of a, a, you know, so they have differences, you know, in like you know the, where they're from, but they also have things that are very similar mm-hmm. because of like the cultures that they come from. Yeah, and so it like it really ties together, and like and I um, and I I definitely definitely see it in the parents because like. And I liked it because at first it's once again, it's like that expectation that you have, like we had Richard when, when like, Oh, a girl in the military, like that's going to be an issue. like in this book, cause it would be like in, in like our reality. And like, I, I kind of had the perception when I first read this uh, when in the beginning where her parents were like, no, 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 you're not going to do this. And then like, okay, she's going to run away. You know, mm-hmm. like, like that's usually in this type of story. She, she can't get her parents' consent. So she's gonna, she's gonna do that classic fairy tale thing and like, you know, just leave and like, and then have to kind of come back to her parents later and be like, you know, I'm successful or I suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, made out of myself. Yeah. 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 Like, so, like, you know, either I, I succeeded or I failed. But, but no, in this story, like, you know, like you get the parents where, yeah, the first, their first instinct is like, fuck no you stay away from the you know from the military but then they're like you know this is like not, not the first time you've asked us you've asked us the same thing like last year this is something you really want to do and you probably will either resent us or you will probably leave yeah and, and like if we don't you know like coalesce and like and we trust you as our daughter you know like that you that you will make good decisions which is all very progressive yeah it's it is. all very progressive thinking it is definitely but, but i w- what i do love is that when there's in this type of situation notice the father mm-hmm. is the final say yeah he's the final say and saying listen to your mother and he's the final say in as when he's the first one speaking up saying we need to talk to you yeah you know and that's true it's it's very um you know i think in some ways tropes exist because they really are like that but i i do like how the father was because i mean that's like that in my household that was like that in my parents households growing up you know it was just the the dad's word is yeah what goes you know and i i find i find that to be very factual but it was also kind of like the dad i believe is someone um who's not as lenient as a mom can be sometimes um when they share those roles and so i thought it was kind of cool that the dad was the first one to say like hey you know we've yeah you're right and, and <laughs> dad's like yo me maybe me and mom are tripping <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i I liked that i was like oh that's and, and, no, no, and really again, very progressive very progressive and I thought. Also... very progressive and like uh like brian was saying like no the expectation and the Shit. setup is that like she runs away and like no like her parents were like they they had a talk and they were like hey what are we doing to our kid <laughs> yeah exactly yeah which is yeah that's it's really cool and 
Yeah, I mean, look, there's definitely like kind of like juxtapositions, like to like your 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 tales essentially, and um, I also like we were talking about, you know, like the acceptance of of women is 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 not something common nowadays when it comes like to the military. I mean, just now in the American military, it's just only been a few years that women are allowed to be like on the front lines and stuff, and they're still getting raped in the barracks. Yeah, and. So, and there's still sexual assault, but that's for another Carrie centric episode. Yeah. When I um, about that, they're sexually assaulting the boys too, Carrie. Let's not I make know. it about sexism. I know, <laughs> but um, but when, oh, when, oh, that's not good. When, yeah, none when, of it's good. I think not good at all. I, well, <laughs> well, one thing that is good is that Aiza, um, I think for me. Aiza endears herself to me like instantly like when she's when she's selling the fruit and she gets like harassed by those that gang of like of kids who want who want her fruit uh for free and she basically says no and she ends up throwing one at at them as they because they knock her over Mm. um yeah I, i officially like love this character like from that point and like i think the juxtaposition of like her spirit being so large and her being so small like she because she like is, is like the run of the litter like as they say in the back matter as well like oh, she was meant okay. to be like kind of like the run of the litter where she's like smaller than everyone else but yeah she's like the strongest like in spirit mm-hmm. and so i i love that kind of feel i think that's also one of the reasons why i like like the character miss marvel a lot it's because that's kind of the same vibe where she's not the biggest hero but yet she you know well she can make herself the biggest hero but you know <laughs> but she's like physically n- normally not the biggest hero but yet she has the 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 heart the, and like the spirit of like a giant and so and i feel like i use this the same way so that's what makes me like carrie characters a lot Definitely, yes, sir. Carrie, your husband's telling on telling on himself. If you see a bad any eyelash at, at any uh, Middle Eastern woman, you kick his ass immediately. <laughs> it's not like that. He's, he's got a thing going on. No, no, I think now, I think it may be actually. <laughs> you know, he does like brown women. That's his king. See? Um, we don't he's like, live in an he's area. Like, I, he's like, I really like Carrie, but she could be a little bit browner. <laughs> Fuck, I'm speechless. Don't laugh too much, Brian. You live there. I'm not there to protect you, my friend. Oh, he's turning so don't, red. Don't laugh too heartily. He's turning red. You're talking about me. Hmm. Oh wow, you're pretty pink right now, my friend. I'm yeah, always pink. No, this is pinker than usual. I'm gonna have to go on my fallback of just. Liking any white guy over the over a certain age, damn. Well, Brian's aw. going that route. No, I didn't mean that way, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, no, I. Uh... Oh, but back to the book. Um, one thing I um I really liked about Isa though is like her relationships because um when she meets uh Lucy, I thought she could have. She was such a about being in the military. I thought she was gonna have a reaction to him the same way that uh his friend. What's his friend's back home's name again? Basem. Uh, Basem had because he was so aloof. It's like oh, I have silk pants, you know. He was so aloof about the situation, and she was so determined. So I thought that maybe her reaction would have to him would have been like a sterner reaction, but she immediately befriends him. 
And then when they meet uh the the redhead, I you know I thought you know she would maybe like like her because she's so serious about what's going on. But no, she was ready to defend her friend. Like she she <laughs> she was like no, me and Houston we go back to this uh to this uh cart ride up here. So we we're, we're homies. You're not gonna try us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And yeah, yeah. I mean, like the relationships are great. It's, it's. I just love. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's lots of love in this book. Choice. Um, one thing also I like, and um, and it is mentioned in the the back matter where like you know there's references to, to like Jordan um in like the artwork and everything. Um, one very easy one to, to point out in, and spot, is, the um the place where they're training the temple. That's in the cave. That's that's Petra. That's yes. that is in Jordan, mm-hmm. and um and mm. and that is also featured in um Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones and the Last Crusade. That's where the Holy Grail was, or not the Holy Grail. The um oh yeah, the Holy Grail. It was the Holy Grail in that one. You keep mentioning um, movies I've never seen before, sir. Uh, what? <laughs> oh, um, wait, what? You've never seen the Indiana so, Jones? No. My. <gasps> My favorite movie of, of <laughs> that is yeah. quite the gas, Carrie. I'm sorry that I offended I'm you. concerned at this point. So your nerd card's taken away, my friend. My my favorite movie of all time. I just is, don't watch movies. Is well, <laughs> if you have a chance to watch a movie, watch Raiders of the Lost Ark because that is like my all time favorite movie. So that is my number one recommendation. Is is the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So um, I, I will try. I was thinking about maybe watching them all before the new one comes out next year. Yeah. So I will give it a shot. Um, that's the opposite of Star Trek movies, where the odd odd number ones are really good, and the even ones are not as good. Um, but Temple of Doom is still a decent movie. Uh, King of the Crystal Skull. It's just it's better not. Well, it's, it's better just not to talk about that one. Um, you but, know what? The thing is, is that I might enjoy that movie because I I'm sure it's bad. Yeah. But I'm not walking in with all the nostalgia that everyone that uh-huh. saw it with. Because like 100%. it could be a bad movie that you still enjoy, but if you walk in with that analogy, all that nostalgia, I'm sure it's a bad movie that just yeah. offends you. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who um who did not grow up with Star Wars movies, and he and he was like, you know what, Brian, I'm gonna watch all the Star Wars movies, the prequels first, and you know, watch them one through nine. And he did that, and he loved like Phantom Menace. And I was like, "How? Like what? You love Phantom Menace?" And um, but I realized just exactly what you just said. He's <laughs> he has no cultural baggage. He has no yeah. like nostalgic baggage. And so he's going into that movie completely like blank slate. So I can see like, okay, I get it. I see why you like that movie. You know, like so. Yeah, I, I um, I that probably would be like, probably the same with Kingdom the Crystal Skull. Um, um. So so Phantom Menace is not good. <laughs> no. But it, it it's far, like, not far, because there's not that many, but, like, it's not the worst. Like, I feel like Attack of the Clones is so unwatchable. Every yeah. time I rewatch it, I'm like, this is so bad. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is that it has really neat scenes in it that, it like, does. when you get to those scenes, you're like, oh, I really like that scene. But then so much of it is just bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was the first time we got to see Yoda fight, and even though, it, like, it's not the best CGI, but it's still you know fun to watch. No, him. yeah, but 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 it's it, fun to it's watch him fight. It's a very yeah. neat scene. Yeah, it is. But like, yeah, no, when they're frolicking, it's bad. Yeah, but like I don't understand how y'all are running a government and like they're just like 
like, hey, someone ordered you an army and no one questions anything. Like, it's just bad writing. Exactly. The person who supposedly was ahead of this program died 10 years before the program started. I mean, Um, come on. (laughs) Question for you. Was Attack of the Clones the one that came out like in 99, 2000? That was... No, no, that's uh, Phantom Menace. That that was Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones was 2002. 2002. Okay. That's the second one. So Phantom... I have a fun, Carrie, sad story. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was the dumb friend and the non-charismatic friend in a group of smart charismatic people in high school okay I think I was Mm -hmm. like I I honestly think I was the toss away friend so everyone in my friend group was planning on going to see the Phantom Menace um, opening weekend and everyone was going right like 20 plus people were going Everyone had to give like $10 for their tickets because we were all getting opening night tickets. I gave them money and they gave my ticket away to someone a grade younger than us who was cooler, who wanted to go last minute. So the extra ticket that was floating around was really mine. That's messed up. And I never got to see it. And you didn't get your money back either? No, they just gave my ticket away. I never got my money back. I'm retroactively. (laughs) So I've Mm -hmm. never seen. I think maybe I've seen like bits of the movie. You've never like sat down and watched it. I've never sat down and watched it. Yeah. Yeah. And because of that, I've never seen any of the prequels. Yeah. When I get like emotionally tied, whether it be a negative or a positive memory, it it totally alters how I will experience something. Because if it's a negative memory, I will avoid that that place or that thing for the rest of my life. But if no, I no, no, what I need you to do, Carrie, is I need what? you to angrily like like drink hard liquor and just angrily watch Phantom Menace. It's like yes. I want you to sit there with a fucking scotch, scowling, oh, man. <laughs> and watch that movie. And, and I need just, that and like some edibles. And see, at least and I'll just fucking go to town watching the movie. At least Attack of the Clones has the glory of christopher lee in it like who's like one of the biggest badass like people like outside and inside of hollywood Mm -hmm. ever but yeah pedimentus doesn't have i think that's why like when you and i started seeing the new like yeah like seven eight nine Mm -hmm. movies i think that's why i was like i had like when brian and i went to go see movie seven i started crying in the theater because i was like having such an emotional experience getting to live that and like it be with like my best friend I was like having like a really good attachment to it and so that was really awesome but like I still get like like and funnily enough I've recently since COVID reconnected with some of the key people from that friend group and it's a shitty Did memory you, for me. They would get your ten dollars back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it was ten bucks. It you, was ten dollars. Like better off dead. Just keep saying ten dollars. Ten dollars. Um, I don't think they listen to this, yeah. but yeah, um, someone owes me ten bucks. Fuck that. Be yeah. like, look, man. So, so I, before I this we're... goes any further, I'm just gonna need ten dollars. <laughs> just don't, don't even mention why. I just need ten dollars from you, and then we're golden. <laughs> we're we're good. To heal I, the childhood wounds. I know this is a major tangent, but um, and but just right before we we kind of break back into into Squire, <laughs> I just wanted to to tell Richard 
um and tell you all listening um so i've been playing the uh the skywalker saga um oh how Wars. is it it's it's good. It's the Lego Star Wars Skywalker. It's it's good. I've, it's fun. I've never really played any of the Lego Star Wars, but that was so heralded that I was I've been meaning to play. I, it. I, I would definitely recommend. It. And it seems like it's always on sale on the Switch shop. So it's oh it's, no, it's on um, Game Pass. So I have oh, access it, to it's it. on Game Pass. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, You're off on Game Pass. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I only have a Switch, so I don't have Game Pass. But um, but eventually one day I will again. But anyways, okay. So um, you know the movie the, the it it's star oh my god let's try to start that again <laughs> lego you know the the games are comedy you know like and it used to be mm-hmm. like there was there was no dialogue it was all pantomime and it was fun and like now they had dialogue in in them and um and sometimes they'll use quotes from the movies and sometimes they won't use the quotes exactly but um but anyways what I was getting into is that I was playing the uh the attack of the clones not attack of the clones the uh revenge of the sith part of the game and literally like carrie starts is watching she's um she's crocheting she's watching me play and um and and like they would say a line and it was like a terrible line like like i hate you or something like that yeah, and and then i was like that. carrie that's an actual line from the movie <laughs> and she's like really it's horrible dialogue and i'm like yeah george lucas you know he can spin a good story but he is not a dialogue guy at all sorry george if you're listening I oh know yeah you're, I know if george not. lucas is one of our <laughs> subscribers that's yes. uh you never know carrie yes. i know i never know and then like the i hate sand it, it gets everywhere and yeah 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 i forget the line it was so yeah it was so stupid mm-hmm. and it was a, i think it was like i am your not it wasn't it was like something about like your father not like the infamous yeah but uh, it was something along those lines about your dad or oh, I, I think it was all i think the one of the, the ones that was when um when anakin is evil and padme goes to get you know basically confront him and obi-wan sneaks onto the ship and then he sees that obi-wan's there and he's like you have all betrayed me in something like that, that and it's like so actual line <laughs> from this movie i'm so sorry but yeah it's um you know, and Anakin, that's... it's about democracy. It's about democracy. Yeah. <laughs> the um, <laughs> yeah. and I also you do it. <laughs> it's always great. Yeah. Now I really want to. Yeah. Take it and, like and an edible for, and watch this movie. But Revenge of the Sith is probably the best of the prequels. Um, I love that movie personally. Yeah. I I it it's yeah. it's it, it, it's Carrie. If the if there's a line where a movie becomes good or bad it's just on the good side of being a bad movie it's very close to being a bad movie but it's just on the good side and it's enough of a spectacle that i thoroughly enjoy it but oh that's fine. like whereas the other two i feel like are on the opposite side of that line but yeah. uh yeah. Phantom so Menace is much closer <laughs> to the line that uh attack of the clones is <laughs> yeah um but uh carrie you also have to uh learn about uh dark plages the wise yeah. <laughs> Richard does just gobbledygook, Carrie. Yeah. Gobbledygook. Yeah. yeah. So okay. Sorry. Let's go back to Squire. Squire um, good. Yes. So so I yeah, I, I never asked, you know, you guys you guys obviously I think they'll enjoy the movie or the book. My I God. did enjoy it. No, yeah, no, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um 
And it's a fairly short read. Like I burned yeah. through it in just a couple hours, but I thoroughly enjoyed my whole time in that world. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Like I, it's a 300 plus book and you know, like I was like, Oh shoot, this is going to take a little bit of time. And yet, like, I just got, yeah, you just burn right through it. It's like, it's because it's so compelling and like, it just reads so well. Like the dialogue is real snappy um mm-hmm. the story is very compelling it's just it's really easy just to just to get through like, and, and yeah. there's swerves in the story there's not like it's not like these yeah. super plot twists but like i thought this was going to be a fairly straightforward military story and then you know there's little things that's like oh no like you can't trust the military and you know the people that they tell you are your enemies are they really your enemies you know just little things like that that made it much more compelling yeah exactly no, definitely yeah, and and like it's like the you know basically the story of of like you know like persistence and like kind of becoming your best self and like you know learning the differences of others and you know accepting them and understanding mm-hmm. that like maybe stereotypes aren't the best way to judge someone by, you know, <laughs> and, you know <laughs> things like that. Yeah, because like because the thing is too is that like even you know even though he's, you know, Bessie's, you know, he doesn't know who Aiza, is, you know, is, is Ornu, but like, um, um, oh my God, I just lost his name. Um, oh, uh, his no? Uh, Husni, Husni, sorry. Um, um, you know, even him, like so one of the, uh, the other people in the, um, the barracks makes a joke about the Ornu and he's all laughing at it. And he's like, you know, he's he's shown as a good character, as a good mm-hmm. person, and even him, he's like he's bought into like the Kool Aid of like the of, like you know that the Ornu are are you know worth making fun of. Well, you know, replace that with any marginalized yeah, group. Exactly. I was gonna exactly. say, yeah. I'm not gonna pretend that there wasn't a time in my life that casual racism wasn't funny, and then you yeah. know you get you yeah. have a little bit more life experience, and then you yeah. you meet people, you're like, oh, that's awful. I, I then, think awful thing to do to somebody. Exactly. I think that's something that we also have to consider too, is the specific age ranges that the military recruits the people. They're not 20s; they're yeah. 12 to 17, and Aiza seems to be on yeah, like, the 12 year old side. Yeah, she does, and so it's very very young and very pliable and min- manip- manipulative no not they're not manipulative but like they can be manipulated yeah. and so they're very naive they're, yeah, they're and young yeah. and naive yeah, and absolutely. very very easy to manipulate yeah and how and i mean i remember laughing at things that i highly regret now yeah as an adult and I'm, I'm just super embarrassed by how i acted as a kid i think it happens I I know, think, yeah no, there's it a specific person no there's a specific person that i went to high school with that we used to make fun of relentlessly and i think even then like you know i'm talking about 20 24 years ago and i don't even think we had the proper language but like as i got older i'm like oh that kid was obviously on the, the spectrum like he was you know yeah had some sort of autism and i'm like oh fuck we made that kid days hell some days for something you know like for things that i was fun but like i didn't know it doesn't make it right i'm not even trying to justify but it's just kind of part of growing up and you know kids being shitty and cruel yeah 
But like, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't want to say I think about it often. It's not something I do. But like, sometimes in quiet moments, I'm just like, oh, I wish I could just run into him so I could just apologize yeah. and just yeah. be like, yo, my bad. We yeah. were really shitty, and that was not okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and and I'm kind of glad that that we're now becoming a culture where that's that is identified at an early age and it's stopped because it's it's no longer like boys will be boys or kids will be kids you know like that's just the way kids are and they'll bully kids mm-hmm. you know bullying is okay because you know there'll always be bullies and everyone's just got to be strong so i i like i like now that yeah that's being addressed um i i know that um you're not a, you're not a big hockey person, Richard and Carrie. You're only my proxy, a big <laughs> hockey person. But recently, um, there was a prospect. I mean, he wasn't like like a Wayne Gretzky like type prospect, but like he was, you know, he he was like, you know, he was like a kid that was guaranteed to play in the NHL. Like he was definitely going to make the NHL, and he, you know, like whether or not he was going to be a great player there. It you know it doesn't matter. He was going to make the NHL, right? Um, but and he was about to get recruited, but then the stories came out basically that for like the last like two or three years, this guy had made a kid who um, who was um, special needs, and also he you know obviously I mean we're talking about hockey stuff. So of course, this kid's white, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah. and um, the kid besides being special needs you know he's black and he basically bullied and made this kid's life a living hell both physically and verbally mentally like just like fucked with this kid so much and so it got the it got leaked it got word word out got that this is what this kid was doing the entire nhl which has a lot of problems with like racism and like other shit like this but luckily they understood the situation and everyone pulled out and said no we're not going to recruit this kid and the kid ended up having to play for like a minor league team in canada because he um because no one would take him because of his actions and he would never apologize to this kid um eventually this year um the bruins boston bruins were looking to to recruit him and so he threw a half-ass dm like to this kid half-ass apologizing to him basically and then also in the message saying this has nothing to do with hockey even though no one brought it up so obviously it has to do with hockey and so so like yeah and so the kid never like accepted the kid you know the apology and like the parents never accepted the apology and so like and then you know it became another issue because boston thought that he had apologized and they signed him and then they find out he never did apologize and but anyways as i'm saying now like that this story would have never happened like 20 years ago like mm-hmm. it would have not mattered it would have been oh mm-hmm. you know he's just a jock you know jocks can be bullies it's okay you know it's like yeah it's you know. jocular talk yeah exactly like you know he's good at hockey so we're just gonna we're gonna recruit him yeah. no matter what his character's like so yeah i'm kind of glad we're we're making the right steps forward like at least oh, definitely. right now but it's not perfect it's not the fun. uh i believe uh martin luther king that said the uh arc of history uh bends towards justice i think that was king yeah but yeah <laughs> it's so. true it's just it's slow and we're living in it and it takes forever to get there and when you're not you know part of the ruling class if you're not like a cis white person mm-hmm. it's rough but just know like dude man there's so much progress <laughs> just the yeah. time that i've been alive there's so yeah. much progress like 
gay people used to just not used to be able to be out there and now like they could get buried that's progress i know it doesn't the, feel that way i i know it's not good enough but like it's legitimate progress exactly. yeah and right. the, the scary thing is is that there's people that are actively trying to get rid of that progress yeah no you're always going to backslide yeah which is absolutely sad. you know both with women's rights and with like race and, and like sexuality and everything you well, know as someone who works with little kids like i can I can tell you that the future generations coming up are going to be so much better off than we are. Yeah. Those kids are some of the most fucking compassionate people with that show everyone more grace and more concern and more empathy than I've known of any adult. And they just naturally understand those things. And there I have, I have one kiddo who is, deeply it's a brother sister duo and there's deep emotional trauma i think mom and dad recently split i there's a lot of upheaval at the houses um the kids are little so they don't really understand why now they have two houses and why daddy has a new girl and mommy has a new guy and sometimes mommy doesn't have time for them and all these things and so it's led to a lot of um, outbursts, a lot of crying, a lot of hitting, a lot of just like crazy reactions on the kids. And the little sister has um, started wetting her pants at school and she mm -hmm. and it's it's so sad. Right. And mm -hmm. there's a little boy. He's our youngest kiddo. He's actually four years old. Hardly. He doesn't speak. All he knows in English is OK. Or an I sorry. That's all he knows. And he sees anyone cry, including adults. He goes over to them. He puts his tiny little hand on whatever part of the body he can get to because he's so short. If it's your knee, if it's if you're bending down or if they're small too, on their back or on their head. And he goes, It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> You'll get better. And that's mm -hmm. a fucking four-year-old. And it's just like, there's something going on at home that's right. Mm -hmm. That kid is learning it and he's learning how to be empathetic and he's learning how to be compassionate. And it's just like, it's so beautiful to watch these kids who maybe there's language barriers or maybe there's learning disabilities or whatever goes on, but they're being shown so much compassion by their peers that it's just it's really cool to see i'm i'm so proud that's of that. awesome yeah i'm so yeah. proud because even if we can't even if i can't teach them fucking math even if they hate learning their multiplication chart it's like they're learning they understand like these greater life lessons mm -hmm. and it's just it's we're the fucked and, ones and, and <laughs> like like they're gonna be okay yeah because i mean <laughs> they really don't have you know like most kids you know they're you they're taught to like judge others yeah you know like because like you know like a, a kid you know won't really even care if if another person's gay or you know if they're if you know what if they're different from them but then if they're told later oh yeah like you know gay people are this or that then then, then they're going to start caring well it's also it's not just their home environment yeah. it's what they're surrounded exactly. by at school exactly and so you have right right yeah. yeah, but also and their media too. Like our media yeah, is very. Growing up was not 
progressive. There it is. Exactly. And um, and yeah, I was just telling Carrie like the other day where it's like, um, you know, when you know, I think the further we go generation wise, and like when we're like the older generation, where we're like you know in our seventies and eighties, and like the other generations, I feel I feel that as long as we're not controlled by some kind of fascist government or some very like you know jingoistic government, um, we're we're going to um, we're going to evolve and progress in a positive way because of the way kids are and the way things are now the further we go down the line the kids are just going to get more progressive and more accepting which is going to which i feel is the majority of the kids you know there's always going to be racist assholes but Mm -hmm. you know there's there's you know it's it feels like there's going to be less it's not going to be popular to be that way anymore you're not going to hear people be like oh i you know that Trump guy definitely says things I wish I could say. You know, you're not yeah. gonna get that anymore. Well, I, the only little don't please never like isolate that. No, 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 no. Really quick, so we can continue on. But yeah. like, what I do find really interesting is that even though there's like a huge like body positive movement, which I'm so excited for because as a fat woman, like I just love people starting to become more accepted at any size they are in any shape. Blah blah blah. But like. It is, I use the term fat as a, as a neutral descriptor because I'm not thin, I'm fat. And I, I don't see the problem in using that term. But every time I say that, like in front of the kids, they're like, no, 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 Miss Carrie. No, 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 no. You're really pretty. I'm like, I didn't say I was ugly. <laughs> I just said I was fat. I'm like, those are two different things. So it still Very. shows it still shows me that like what they're being taught, whether it be from other kids or from their home, there's still that, even though there is a huge movement for body acceptance. Yeah. They're still getting told, oh, um, you know, to look a certain way is bad. You know, it's automatically associated with like a negative thing. Like, um, I really quick, we had um our our supervisor had a death in the family and our supervisor was out for the rest of the term. So I I had to be the one to break it to the kids in my classroom. So that's fine. So I tell my older kiddos, like, hey, settle down, I have an announcement. So one of my girls is like, Oh, Miss Carrie, are you are you pregnant? And I was like, oh, Elisa, I'm like, no, I'm not pregnant. I'm just fat. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. And then she, like, starts crying. I'm like, no, look at me. I'm like, you are fine. I'm just telling you. I'm like, my bonsa is big, and I know this. And I'm like, it's not, like, a secret. I'm like, I see myself. I'm like, I'm not embarrassed, like. I'm not, and I'm like, believe me, like, if I were pregnant, I, one, wouldn't tell you guys for a while, because that's weird. Mm-hmm. I was like, and two, you, it would be much more noticeable. And I was like, but no. And, but like, she, she, her reaction to the, to her thinking that she offended me based on like the way I looked, I was like, no, I'm still cute, girl. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not offended by what you said. I'm like, it's just, I'm, I have a completely different announcement to make. It's just, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. Sorry, that was a hell of a tangent. I'll let it I when I edit. Honestly, feel though that the 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 tangents of the the type of tangents that we're having shows kind of like what this book's about, and like, and it shows you know we're kind of discussing the themes of the books like through through some of these tangents, you know. So, um, but yeah, um, so I I mentioned earlier my favorite character was was Doric. Did uh-huh. you guys have a favorite character? I mean, I like guys a lot. She's yeah, cool. yeah, she's really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, she's scrappy. I liked her a lot as well. So it's kind of it's fun. They all have interesting points about them, and it's all kind of fun to like root mm-hmm. for them in different ways. Except um, the general, I wanted her to fucking die. Like as soon as I saw her. Yep. And like you just, alert. <laughs> you you see her, and you're like, this yeah. bitch is not good. Like like yeah. immediately, I just got that. I think that really cre- creepy scene with Basim towards in the beginning when she's like recruiting him to be her spy. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you can tell that she's up to no good. And then you find out the story of why, you know, what happened in the past. And so when that when that time comes up for her, there's not many tears <laughs> shed. <laughs> but um, but she did it was a very honorable death, you know, also because she literally told, you know, Isa that, you know, um, if you let me if you rescue me, I will come after you and kill you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, she 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 was determined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, um, do you guys have anything else no. regarding Squire before no, we excellent book? Everyone no. should read it. Okay, excellent. All right. Yes. Um well, well, I guess we should move on then. But yeah, I definitely agree with the sentiments. Uh we should you should definitely check out Squire. It's a it's a really good book. It's a good way. It's a it, it's not a holiday book, but it's a good it, it's a good book for the holiday season. I think it kind of has that feel good. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, with some yeah. death in there, and you know, um, it is an all ages book, and it's, it would make a good Christmas gift for uh, the young or Hanukkah, ones or, or Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or yeah, Winter Solstice, whatever you celebrate. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so um, that's it for our main subject. We're gonna we have a couple news items um we'll hit those really quick i know we, we're kind of we're kind of going turning into a pumpkin yeah it's, i am uh, it is late <laughs> over where richard is it's like where we're at looked at the time yeah and i'm miming to brian i'm like we gotta wrap this up okay Richard's gonna fall asleep so really quick no i'm, I'm wide awake it's fine oh wow okay <laughs> so yeah. um i try to do like a bad news and good news like usual Really quick, um, we'll start with the bad news. Um, so after Shock Comics, uh, they filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Um, this is after a bunch of things that have come out recently that they weren't paying their uh, their you know the creatives that were creating books for them because they basically couldn't afford it. So they they filed for Chapter Eleven. Um, a lot of their debtors are creators. Uh, there's there's some publishers as well that are um, that are that are debtors as well. Um, for, for their uh, unpaid creators list is like a who's who of people that I follow on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> so it is. Like a lot it's... of artists, a lot of writers. Ooh. And uh, so I was going through the list and then because he's like a mainstay that's here. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Um, 
um, I forget his last name's Atmane El Hal. Yeah. I was just like, he's mm-hmm. everywhere. If there's oh, anything yeah. with the show, he's always showing up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we were always talking about his work. To recap, essentially, this is something that happens in all media, but it seems like it happens most often in comics. Um, and that, like, final, and like, really, there's not really any unions and like organized working in comics except for Image just recently that has changed but you know these smaller companies like aftershock unfortunately you know they just don't have the income to to you know or or they're mismanaging their income to help pay the creatives that are giving their blood sweat and tears for these companies now okay refresh my memory Mm -hmm. is aftershock the one where they were never paying their people up front and they were only paying them on the back end. That was not aftershock. That was um oh gosh. Um the people who did Princeless. Uh, yes. Action Lab. Okay, that was Action Lab. Yes. Now was Aftershock the one that had um all the controversy with like the comic skate people? Oh, that was Dynamite. Oh shit. Um, but no, yeah, Aftershock, no, like they and they release good quality okay. books and, and they release like, you know, they don't release Comicsgate shit either um and so but but yeah it's um you know just like action lab though they, they've had and apparently they've had issues like this and i know alex Campy originally came out as as somebody who's had payment issues and also like, kind of called out other creatives that they've had issues with aftershock so th- it's unfortunate because yeah. I mean, I mean, they have other real problems too because i didn't realize until reading up on this that they also have an aftershock tv side and they were like producing reality tv shows and some yeah. series so yeah they oh. were probably over leveraged they they uh made the dog dog whisperer their production company oh oh really and they made uh the john walsh's most recent show <gasps> since i guess he doesn't do america's most wanted was it in oh Pursuit? shit yeah. yeah on true tv wow yeah. so yeah so they're probably over leveraged in so many different directions. Like yeah. those creators are probably yeah. not going to see much of anything because I'm sure there's other people with much more high powered lawyers that want mm-hmm. their money as well. Yep. Yeah. Which it, is so sad. It is really sad because mm-hmm. like, I mean, we're, we're, this is a new generation of comics where like there are plenty of, of, um, you know, smaller publishers that, everyone kind of gets a voice and everyone's able to get, you know, word, you know, like basically their stuff published if they want to get published from somebody, you know, if it's not aftershock, it's vault. If it's not vault, it's boom. It's, you know, like there's, there's plenty of, of out, you know, alley, you know, ways to go to get your, you know, items published. But unfortunately, you know, it's not a guarantee to get that you're going to get compensated for the work. And yes, I know, you know, creatives, it's not all about money, but we live in a capitalist society. So you have to get paid, you know, like, unfortunately, to, yeah. to survive. Well, money's and, good. Yeah, not exactly. unfortunately, yeah. I like getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, unfortunate about but that. If, if we could live in a way where we could just, you know, be creative and not have to worry about getting paid, then that would be nice. Okay, but... straight up, if we, if, if, yes. if, if livelihood, Depending on creativity, I'm fucked. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like working. I like making money. Yeah. 
I know, but I'm just saying. No, like, no, no, no. Yeah. I understand what your point, yeah. but I'm just, I'm, it's... I'm Camp Richard right now. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, like for, like for, like you know, creators, like artists and stuff. No, like absolutely. That. It's not about they're not doing it for like the money, but the money is is important. Yeah, money's important. Yeah, but is. no, no, they're yeah. doing it for the money, right? Don't, don't, don't ever buy into that nonsense. <laughs> they're doing it for the money because it's they can true. just easily do it for free and not show anybody. If you're a creative, you do it. For the money, <laughs> it, well, if you're a creative, you know, um, <laughs> if you want to agree or disagree, please please email us at comics are better at gmail.com and we'll talk. Right? About no, it. no, no, there's plenty of people that they create to create this. Yeah. This book that we just covered, Squire, she she created it as a school project just exactly. to create. At yeah. some point, she was just like, I can make money off of this, let's get it public. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I've read other things by Nadia Shamas before and like they're all really good but I've never I don't think I've ever read anything all right but yes uh filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy is bad not paying your creators also bad yes yeah, absolutely <laughs> and, and you know what though like chapter 11 is 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 um there for a reason and that's to pay your creditors um I believe Oh, I I should know this because this is kind of there's a chapter nine and chapter eleven. Is that what you're talking about? Is it seven or is it? Oh, I maybe chapter nine's for homeowners. Yeah, I think chapter nine might be. Okay, I think think you might be right, Brad. I think it's chapter seven and chapter eleven. But in one of them, one of them, you're allowed to reorganize your assets and still trade. And I believe that's chapter eleven. Um, so aftershock is going to still be able to function, even though that they're paying off. You know, even though they're. uh, they're gonna have to like reorganize and pay off their creditors. Okay, well, uh, guess we'll go into in the good news. Um, the recently last week and a half ago, maybe we had the uh, game awards, and um, a, a independent video comic video game was announced. Oh, cool! It is uh, Hellboy. Uh, yes. it looks neat. Yeah, and uh, I'm not a big roguelike person, but I'll definitely check this out. It looks fun. Yeah, it is, awesome. a, it is a roguelike. We kind of talked about roguelikes a couple of ish, uh, episodes ago. He wants the issues. Um, but yeah, we, but, um, but yeah, what the major part of this is, is that they are using Mignola style art. It looks mm. like you're playing the comic. Um, there, there's, there's, articles out there that have taken like screenshots from like the previews of the game and they've compared them to actual like panels from like the comic and they look you know very similar and so yeah it's like you know it's kind of like what i've always wanted because like hellboy has been in games before and they've all not been that great and so it's and and hellboy is one of those characters where it's like you feel like it'd be really easy to make a good video game with this character because you know, you got the the paranormal stuff. He, he likes to punch things with that giant arm. <laughs> you know, like you know, there's definitely a brawling mentality to uh, to Hellboy. Besides being like a, the paranormal detective, you know, and like both of those things, story wise and like gameplay wise, would really work well in the video game if done well. And we're at least getting a one that looks good. Hopefully, it'll play good. So, um, I believe that comes out next year. My notes, like I said, are gone right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, unfortunately, I don't have uh, my phone <laughs> anymore. But yeah, uh, it will. Um, yeah, it uh, it looks really good. Definitely check it out. Um, if you if you're a uh, video game slash comic book person, because 
um, it's something that at least I have been asking for for a while, and looks like my wishes are coming true. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, it looks great. Um, no date on it yet, but it's going to be on every platform: Steam, Xbox, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Series X. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't hear Switch. Switch as well. Sorry, Switch. Oh, as well. thank I God. I said Switch. <laughs> like I said, like all I have right now is a Switch. So uh, I don't know when this comes up. Maybe I'll have something else too. But right now, all I have is a Switch. So. Um, Okay, cool. Um, so that yeah, good good news, you know. A little, little bit of news, a little good news. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so that should do it for the rest of the episode. Uh if you guys are ready to call it a night or an episode. Yeah, let's call it. Depending yeah. on when you are listening. So I guess I'll go ahead and get into our uh our plugs and stuff. You guys don't mind. So we have uh, reached, excuse me, we have reached the end of the show. And uh, thank you for everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show, as always. Very much appreciated. Um, you can, you know, review us if you want to. Uh, please, five stars if possible uh, on, uh, you know, Apple or on Spotify. You can do that in the app. Um, or just tell a friend, you know, say like, hey, comic books are cool. And so are these guys. So listen to our podcast. Um, yes, in, on Instagram, Twitter, and Good Pods is CDB Pod. And for uh, book our book clubbers uh, on Friday, we will announce the uh, next episode's main subject on Instagram, so you can follow along uh, if you want to join in our conversations. It's uh, once again, it's comics are better at gmail.com. And uh, Richard, where can we find you? I'm Top Cat three sixty on everything social media. Um, I don't know. The World Cup was fun. Yeah. It's kind of a letdown now. <laughs> Messi got a cup. I'm so happy He's for He's now, him. like, indisputably, like, one of the greatest ever. Yeah, that no, was really good. It was a, a brilliant performance. But, yeah, just yeah. I'll be on the internet wishing people happy holidays, hoping the world doesn't burn. Mm. Yeah. We're talking about, like, little, little, little people, you know, like, little guys who are scrappy. They're, Messi is definitely that type of yeah, character. There you go. That person, not a character person <laughs> real life person <laughs> brian reality is real reality is real we live in it <laughs> yes okay um and Kira, do you have a, a non-profit for the week um i don't we i have my interview tomorrow about bobby from dogs without borders hey. based in la um it's my second interview so i'm really excited um he has you know what brian he has the same degenerative disease that you have oh his mris came back so he's going to be on the same pill of this doggy form that you're on. Oh yeah. So um, I, I have I, that, I have that interview. I'm really excited. So just you know, be good to your loved ones and to your family, whether it's chosen or blood, and enjoy the holiday season while you can. And just as an announcement, <laughs> I am now taking over the Instagram account oh for comics deserve better. <laughs> we were already planning on me taking it over anyways for the holidays. Get ready for memes get ready for stupid polls yeah, for pictures I, of I shit it, I, I, you know we just want to change it up a little bit for the new year and yeah. i i volunteered so good luck with the interview tomorrow oh yeah oh, thank you yeah i'm really you. excited um, it's a bit of good news right yeah. now with everything going on so well I, All right. well, you know what then i'll go ahead and close things out for <laughs> me and carrie and brian the big red balloon <laughs> Uh, this has been uh, Comics Deserve Betters. And uh, how we do it, Brian? 
remember comics deserve better and everyone deserves comics there we go bye <laughs> have bye, a great everyone. night have a great night and my phone just died oh no so, <laughs> yes it continues um <laughs> I'm gonna just leave that in. Just leave that in.